Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show, and thanks for tuning in today. Hey, if you are a longtime listener, can I just say thank you so much for your support and for tuning in. I know there are so many choices out there, and yet you keep coming back here, so thank you very much for that. If you know someone else who could use the message that I bring to you on a regular basis, I would appreciate you just sharing this podcast with them so that they can find that easily. Another way to do that, really, is just to put a quick rating and or a review on iTunes, and that will help them find the show as well. If you are tuning in for the first time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have a slightly different approach than some others. Um, If you're looking for a like how to build immense wealth type of podcast, this one is not it, Uh, but there are plenty of great ones out there that will do just that. Instead, this one's more about like just the everyday behaviors that we engage in that will either help make or break our ultimate financial goals. And most of it is based on um, really just the stupid stuff that I've learned along the way. A lot of it is the stuff that I have personally done and then there's also stuff that I've learned from other people. So I believe very strongly, excuse me, in uh, vicarious learning, which basically means that you learn from someone else's mistakes. So many of the great coaches and speakers out there say success leaves clues. Well, I'd like to add to that that so does failure. <laughs> so uh, we can learn from that, though. If we're learn, if we're able to watch somebody who's successful leave clues, and if we copy that in order to then be successful, then what do we find out from the failures out there? And listen, guys, when I say failure, I don't mean like, you know, this negative connotation thing, failure is really just learning as far as I'm concerned. You either succeed or you learn. And and we as a society have just thrown fail onto that. But it's not a destiny. You're not destined to fail. It's just, you know, part of the process. So anyway, if, if success leaves clues and so does failure, then why can we not learn from other people's failures? If they, you know, try something and then fall down and have to tweak it a little bit to move forward, then that's their learning and we can learn by watching them do that. So I I tell my kids that and then that's how I approach this. So in other words, I have fallen down several times and I have made many, many mistakes and I'd like to just be able to spare you from making those. Now, like any of our kids, chances are you're going to question often some of the things that I will say and you're going to try them anyway and you're going to fall just the way that I fell. And you know what? That's okay because sometimes we have to do things on our own in order to learn them. But if you have tried a few of these things even after I warned you against them and then you want to come back and listen to how to avoid them in the future, that's totally okay too. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that came up at one of our friends barbecues over the weekend. Uh, by the way, if you are in the United States and you celebrated Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to you. If you're not in the United States, but you are a mom, happy motherhood to you, even if it's not an actual celebrated day. Um, okay, I, I got off topic. I apologize. But during this particular barbecue, our friends were explaining that they are going house hunting and they've gone through the process of becoming pre-approved and kind of gave me an idea of what what um, like price range they were looking in. And it came up that I think they said that they were going to put 3% down 
And so that just kind of triggered in my mind something that we learned when we were going through the house buying process as well. And that was what is the difference between an FHA and a conventional loan. Now, when I throw all this out there, I want you to understand before I say anything else, I want you to understand that my approach is not one of telling you what to do. Instead, I want you to make your own decision on what to do. But I want to make sure that you ask all of the right questions so that you have the right information so that you can make an informed decision. That's all I try to do. And in this case, we're going to talk about what something costs in the beginning versus the long-term cost. So what I mean by that is how much is something feeling like it's costing us right now versus how much is it going to cost over the entire life of whatever that is. Now, this can be applied to lots of different areas that have nothing to do with money. Health, for example, is one of them. You may know that it seems a little bit cheaper to buy crap right now for us to consume, uh, but in the long run, if we eat too much of that crap, then we'll probably end up in the hospital or needing medication or whatever. So in the long run, that costs a lot more money. Having said that, I will throw a caveat out there that I'm not always great about eating the right things. I fall into that category. Uh, but I understand logically how that is not going to work. And because of that, I, I am making small strides to try to shift those behaviors as well. Because everything I teach you is really just behavior-based. And I teach it and apply it to money. But you could totally apply these concepts to other areas in your life. Um, okay, so... One difference, though, with health versus this money thing is that with your health, there are so many other factors that are, are built in. So sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to know if I eat really healthy right now, will I still end up in the hospital? You know, you don't you really don't know. You probably lessen your chances quite a bit, but you don't know when it comes to something like mortgages or car loans or things that we're talking about here. Math has a way of just being math. Like it's, it's pretty cut and dry. So if you ask the mortgage broker, how much will this particular loan cost me in the end? They already have this fancy little calculator that will show you and you will know how much at worst case scenario that is going to cost you in the end. So that is a little bit different. And I think that's what makes it so important for you to ask these questions because there is an answer and you can make that informed decision. So let's talk, let's bring it back into the whole FHA versus conventional loan because there's just a couple of tips I want to make sure you hear and then I will kind of give you an idea of why I think it's important. Um, one of the things that I wanted to warn my friends about was the idea of PMI. Now PMI is just an acronym for private mortgage insurance and all that really means is that the mortgage company is expecting you as the buyer to buy insurance because you're not putting very much money down and they want to make sure that if you were to walk away from that home that they are covered by uh, this insurance plan so they're they're not going to lose their asses right that's really what this is about well private mortgage insurance is found in both the FHA loan and in the conventional loan i will explain to you a little bit how it's different in those because that's one of the biggest differences uh, but i just want to let you know what that was first before we jump into that, though, I want to tell you an FHA loan, oftentimes, it's basically a federal housing authority loan, so it has the government involved in there, and it's a government-backed loan. So, 
they oftentimes will ask for less money because that the whole idea behind the FHA loan is to get other people into it, uh, a larger number of people into a mortgage. The problem with it is that, well, before I say the problem, because that's more of a, that's a personal uh, opinion. <laughs> so let me go with the facts first and then I'll get to the opinion. Um, one of the facts is that it costs less money for you to open uh, or to start to qualify for an FHA. You can do it with a lower credit score. You can uh, bring less money to the table and you can you oftentimes make smaller payments because the interest rate is actually lower in an FHA loan than it is a conventional loan. So all of that sounds great, right? I mean, you're thinking, hey, why would I not go with an interest that an interest rate that is smaller and I can bring less money to the table so I don't have to tie up as much of my of my nest egg, if you will, uh, in this home, I can come to the table with less. Well, because when you take into account that thing that I was talking about just a minute ago, PMI, that private mortgage insurance, it works completely differently with the FHA loan as it does with the conventional loan. And that's because if you are requiring less money down, a lower credit score, and um, smaller payments every month, what do you think you're attracting with that kind of loan? You're attracting more of the people who don't have as much money, right? So they might be more likely to default on that loan. Because of that higher risk, they build in way more PMI or way more private mortgage insurance. That's where the cost ends up being much, much higher in an FHA loan than it is in a conventional loan. But it, you won't know that unless you ask to see the numbers. And that's what happened to us about four and a half years ago. We had a certain amount of money that we had set aside. It was about $15,000. And we had that specifically for that down payment on a home. And I knew that we needed to, I wanted to be able to put down at least 10%. So what was that doing? If you, if you kind of do the math, if having $15,000 aside meant that we had to look at homes that were uh, $150,000 or less. Well, of course, the problem that we ran into was all of the homes we were looking at were higher than $150,000. So we had some choices we had to make. One, we could either go with homes less than what we wanted, sacrifice that way. Second option was to wait a little while so we could save up a little more so we could get into one of the homes that we actually wanted and still have the 10%. Or three, and this was what our realtor suggested that we do, why don't you go with a an FHA loan instead and then you can get away with only 3% or I think it was 3.5% or 5% down. Uh, because you that would get you into up to a three hundred thousand dollar home, and that that's you know that was way higher than we were looking, by the way. But in his mind, that would be that would afford us, if you will, a much higher um, cost of a house. So uh, he gave me all of those um, things that I just told you before about you know having needing a lower credit score, which wasn't a problem for us actually. Um, having less money down. And then, of course, he told me about the smaller interest rate. So it all sounded really, really great. And I, I for a minute, I actually considered doing this FHA loan. But thankfully, I had the wherewithal to do a little bit of research and just kind of figure out what is this PMI difference? Really, what is, what's going to, how much extra is it going to cost? 
And um, the, everyone kept saying, well, you've got PMI with this convention loan anyway, because I don't think I mentioned before, but private mortgage insurance, I, I told you what it was, but I didn't tell you at what point they don't do it. So on a conventional loan, if you bring 20% down to the table, you don't even have to pay PMI because in their minds, they're going to get the money that they need to if you were to default on the loan anyway. And they've, they've already gotten a good amount from you. And so in their minds are thinking, you know, if you're going to drop twenty to $40,000 down on a home, chances are you're not going to walk away from that home just, just to walk away. So you've got more skin in the game. And so on a conventional loan, excuse me, they um, they don't even do PMI if you do 20% down. Well, we didn't have 20% down. We wanted to have 10%, right? So, um, so th that's why we were looking at having to do PMI anyway. And our friends would say, and so would the realtor, by the way, uh, this is why I really suggest you find a realtor who has your best interest at heart, but also has the same mindset around money that you have. Um, okay, so our realtor had said this and so did all these friends. Well, honey, you're going to have to do PMI anyway. You know, so why why not just do the one that requires less money so that you can have more of that money to do any of the upgrades in your home that you want to do, dot, 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 dot. So if I had just listened to that piece of advice, I would have probably gone ahead and convinced my husband that we needed to go FHA and move about our married lives. Thankfully, I researched a little bit more and found this to be true. With the FHA, the PMI percentage is much higher. So I believe with a conventional loan, actually, I'm sitting at my computer, so I'm going to pull this up because I actually, I had this um, pulled and I wanted, I want to give you actual numbers because that's just, that's better. Um, let's see, with a conventional loan, the PMI is usually about half a percent of the loan amount and in with the federal one so the FHA one the mortgage insurance is 0.85 percent so not quite double but close it's definitely at least one and a half times the amount and so thankfully and now I didn't actually find that on a website to be honest I instead did what I would encourage you to do and that's just ask a lender uh, could you tell me what the private mortgage insurance will cost me for this FHA versus the um, conventional? And they can tell you right down to the month. Uh, you know, we found that even though we were paying monthly PMI, the amount was, like I said, over one and a half times the amount each month than it was uh, if we were just to go conventional. But here's the kicker. Actually, I think there were two kickers that really made this decision just a no-brainer for us. And and I'm this is the information I hope that you will at least look at before you sign on the dotted line. Kicker number one, there is a premium that is tacked onto an FHA loan at the beginning, and they basically just roll it into your the regular cost. So the house that we ended up getting was $176,000. I'm only sharing that so you can kind of hear like what some of these numbers would look like. With the FHA loan, they were going to throw on more than $2,000 extra just for the PMI at the beginning. This did not count the PMI every month, okay? I'm not giving you that number. I don't remember what that number was. But it was over $2,000 extra just at the beginning of the loan, just to have an FHA loan. That's money that would never come back, right? Okay, kicker number two. With a conventional loan, once you house reaches, I think it's 78% loan to value. So even if you don't put 20% down, 
if you get to the point where you have like 22% equity in your house, your conventional loan drops the PMI automatically. So if, if you're paying, let's just say $1,100 a month in mortgage, and of that $20 a month is PMI, then once your home automatically goes to this 78% loan to value, then your mortgage payment will go down $20 a month without you doing a thing, okay? You don't have to refinance. You don't have to look into it. Legally, it just it just drops off. Now, if you do get equity built up faster than what your amortization says, amortization, by the way, is just a fancy word for the way that your mortgage is laid out, okay? So um, if you're on a 30-year fixed mortgage, and you're amortized, it says that after, you know, 10 years of that 30, that's when you would reach this value. Uh, but if you actually have, are in a market where the equity is building faster than that, you can actually have them do a, an appraisal of your home. That will probably cost you a few hundred dollars, uh, but you can have them do that to have it taken off the PMI if you want. Uh, but here's the thing. If you don't do it at all, it's built into your loan. So that's why I want to share that. Uh, with an FHA, it never goes away, ever. It is on your loan for the life of your loan, no matter what value your home has. So you are paying over the course of 30 years, right? You keep paying your mortgage, paying your mortgage. Well, eventually, when you get to like, I don't know, year 25 of your mortgage, you would technically have enough equity that you should no longer have to pay PMI. And yet, there it will be. So the only way to get out of a PMI um, situation, excuse me, in FHA, all these acronyms are killing me today, FHA, PMI. <laughs> anyway, in order to get out of PMI through an FHA loan, you have to either sell your home and get rid of it, right? Just do a completely different loan or you need to refinance. And oftentimes refinancing costs thousands of dollars and um, you know, becomes not worth it. So yeah, it's a lot to it's a lot to take in. I know we're already like three minutes past what I normally do on this podcast, and I don't want to confuse you. But if you have questions, just email me because I'd be happy to walk through your personal situation with you. Uh, my email address is Maria at CashInOnChange.com. Again, that's Maria at CashInOnChange.com, and I'd be happy to look at your actual numbers with you. Uh, but I just want to make sure you're asking the questions. Here, here is a synopsis of the questions I want you to ask your realtor and or your mortgage broker. Basically, just two questions, really. One, how much PMI will each loan type cost me? And they have to give you that information if you ask. They can tell you if you have a 15-year conventional versus a 30-year conventional versus a 30-year FHA. They can tell you all three types and how much PMI it's going to cost you based on how much you're bringing to the table. And then the second question I want you to ask, especially if you are looking at an FHA because of the down payment being smaller, I want you to just ask, how much more will I have to come to the table with in order to be able to get into a conventional loan? Because there's only, like if, if there's a chance of you getting into a 5% down conventional loan, you're really only talking 1.5% more of the purchase price. And in many cases, depending on where you're looking or where you live, you're talking just a few thousand dollar difference. And it would be worth saving an extra five months worth of, you know, a few thousand dollars to avoid that PMI for the life of your loan. So 
anyway, those are the questions that I want to make sure you ask. Now, real quick, I know we're, we're encroaching on 20 minutes here, which is way longer than I ever go, but I want to just sum up and let you know that this approach, it transcends all different areas. So the things that we think are going to be cheaper in the beginning may not be cheaper in the beginning. It may actually cost us way more in the end. And you know what? I think coaching, I wasn't going to go here, but I think coaching is one of those things that we think, let's just do it on our own because it's cheaper, right? Like there's so many resources out online that are, are cheap and, and free even, and there's so many templates and all of that. And if you do that, you can certainly achieve success but it may end up costing you more in the long run than it would have if you had just hired somebody to help you in the beginning. And that's really just because if you can find somebody that you like and that you trust and that will help you exponentially create results, then you're buying yourself basically time to then go and really make your wealth build later on. So no matter what it is that you're looking at, whether it's a house, a car, a coach, whatever, health plan, don't just consider the costs up front. I want you to just take a step back, take a deep breath and consider what is this gonna cost me over the long run? And in some cases, the question is, what is this higher cost right now going to save me in the long run? So you're really taking a look at the big picture rather than just this small beginning. That's what's gonna end up saving you money and making you money in the long run. You guys, thank you so much for hanging in with me the uh, extra few minutes today. I know that this stuff can be confusing, especially because we're talking about numbers. We have all these crazy little acronyms that might be new to you, and maybe they're not new to you. Maybe you totally get all of this, but you didn't look at it this way. Either way, if it is confusing and you want somebody to kind of sit down with you and just look at your numbers, I do offer that free 30-minute call, and we can make it about whatever you want. So if that's something you want to kind of look at, let's sit down and do that. Just email me, maria at cashinonchange.com, and I will be happy, maybe put, um, you know, home loan in the subject line for that one, and I'll know what it is that you want help with. It's always fun to help people one-on-one, -on -one, so, you know, don't ever feel like you're overstepping that boundary or that you're going to have to engage in coaching um, in order to actually reach out and ask for that help. And I love helping you with the things that you actually want. So I want to talk to you about things you want to learn about. So if there's a topic that you want to hear, just send that to me in an email as well. And I'll be happy to address that on a future episode. You guys, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Bye-bye.